The Sports Career Podcast, episode 285, how to create win-win partnerships in the sports industry. Hello, Sports Achiever, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if in interest with regards to sports sponsorship. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests, and needs. But before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, have you got a copy of my new sports industry directory, which has over 500 companies in the sports industries in eight different sectors, where literally with a click of the button, you have the access to connect and reach out to companies in the area you want to pursue a career in. If you want more information, go to education to sport forward slash SID to grab your copy today. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's podcast special guest is John Bulkman. John is the founder and managing partner at Third Wing Group, which is an independent agency serving athletes and artists, which is on a mission to serve their communities and protect the planet with the application of sponsorship activations. For that reason, it's such a joy to have John as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, John will share his sports grid journey and explain to you the attitude you need to create win-win partnerships in the sports industry. John, it's a real joy to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Well, thanks for having me, Ed. It's a real pleasure. And my sports career journey started you know, pretty early in life. You know, I almost would say that sports chose me, not the other way around. I was the kid growing up here in the States who was watching Sports Center every day, multiple times a day as a child. You know, I was obsessed with the game of baseball and became a baseball player and had those dreams like many kids of becoming a, a pro pro ball player. However, you know, I think what like the majority of kids, you also come to grips with the reality that you don't have the elite athletic ability required to be a professional athlete. But my in my education and particularly in, in university, I got into business. I got into a business school at Georgetown University. And I knew that I didn't want to take the, the path that many of my peers were taking from Georgetown straight up to Wall Street. Right? That's the, the major pipeline uh, from, from that particular business school. But I knew I didn't want to do that. It felt like sports was the right place for me. I just loved and in and in reflecting back, I love how people in sports pursue excellence, right? I think that's what attracts me to sports and why I always feel most at home working with athletes, working with people in sports who understand the commitment to excellence that you need to compete at a high level and to remain at a high level and be a great contributor. So the actual nuts and bolts of my sports career started towards the end of my time at Georgetown I was very fortunate, you know, being from the D.C. area, the Washington, D.C. area, uh, to be very in very close proximity to lots of sports organizations. So my very first job in sports was actually with the Tiger Woods Foundation, which ran a golf tournament. Yeah. At Congressional Country Club in Bethesda, Maryland. And the at t National, as it was called back in the day, was the very first sports organization that I worked for. Uh, so, you know, young kid in university getting to work for the Tiger Woods Foundation and a golf tournament. Very cool experience. Uh, I, I didn't sell a lick during that that internship, but it was a very cool experience. Got Kind of got my foot in the door in the sports industry. And I definitely felt like, all right, this is cool. This is like where I want to be. And so I followed that up by joining uh, the Washington Nationals for the, the following spring. 
And it was really just a client services game day job. Again, foot in the door type of stuff. Nothing very intellectual. But basically, I like to joke that I was a bouncer at the ballpark at Nationals Park, um, helping people kind of get through the turnstiles and if they had issues with their tickets, kind of troubleshooting that. So those are that's how I got started. And I definitely think it's true in sports and in many industries that it's just getting your initial foot in the door. Then you find your way from there. You kind of self-select and find the right lane or the right path for you when it comes to your sports industry career. What a great answer. I've got to go, go back in time uh, before we talk about what you're currently doing, because I've got like a huge smile on a few things I want to touch on. One thing I enjoyed listening to that answer, you said you created your own path and you didn't follow other people. One thing I've learned on this podcast is nearly everybody in the show who are working in the sports industry, it wasn't linear. There was always bits of the journey which you have to just grab the opportunity and take it. So when you're at Georgetown studying, can you remember that moment like, like I want to work in the sports industry? I'm a baseball fan, but I really want to work in the sports industry. Did you have like a mindset shift particularly that you're studying business as well. I'm just curious on that side of things. There was a, there was a couple things. I, I would say taking the right courses. <laughs> it's, it's funny how, how many of the courses you take at university, they just don't really interest you that much. You kind of have to get through them and you, you're like, all right, I'll get to the good stuff eventually, but finance accounting, not my cup of tea. By the time I became a you know junior senior at Georgetown, I got to take things on. I took classes on leadership, negotiations, sports marketing, uh, social entrepreneurship. These are the things like all right, this is this is where I want to be. These are the types of topics that genuinely interest me, and I definitely think taking that sports marketing class was uh, was a massive important kind of moment or, or uh, you know, semester, uh, because that was where I was able to get the opportunity with the Washington Nationals. But the other course that was really important was social entrepreneurship. And then taking that class as a, as a, a senior or a fourth year, uh, that one really opened my eyes. You, you know how you kind of approach a topic for the first time and then it just clicks or there, a light bulb kind of goes off for you. That was definitely the case for me in taking social entrepreneurship. And really, because of that, you know, because of taking those two courses at the right time in life, basically my journey since then has been how do I merge sports and social entrepreneurship, the business of sports and the business of creating social good. That's that's essentially those two courses and the, the professors I had and the topics we covered in many ways have helped me to navigate over the last 10 years uh, to, to figure out my path, to figure out, you know, all right, how do I merge or, or mash up my interest in business as a force for good with my interest in the business of sports and sports marketing and entertainment marketing. So just touching on a practical standpoint now, when you were at the Tiger Woods Foundation and you said you wanted to, be involved in like the pursuit of excellence without a doubt that is nearly Tiger Woods is like, you know, his theme, isn't it? Throughout his whole golf career is that excellent standard whenever he performs. Was that sort of ethos embedded in the foundation from an environment standpoint when you were there? Because I think this is just important because wherever you work, you want to enjoy the environment of where you work. So may I ask what you learned the most from the Tiger Woods foundation, particularly from that pursuit of excellence element, which driven you to work in this industry? Yeah, you know, it was it was a pretty short stint. So I wouldn't say I got like a great sense of the whole organization. And I was also one of my first work experiences. So I was just trying to navigate. But I will say that getting to work with and getting to work for uh, an organization that represents one of the great athletes of, of all time does kind of give you that sense of confidence that you can go pursue excellence in your own in your own right, you know, in your own life. And I think that's ultimately why people admire athletes and admire sportsmen and sportswomen is these are people who are making sacrifices and committing to the daily tasks, the daily habits, the daily work that's necessary to become a better version of themselves. Right. And I think the same is true for entrepreneurs. I think the reason we're seeing many athletes 
many artists, musicians now truly become entrepreneurs as well and business people is that same commitment to excellence applies and transfers over into the business world. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you have to have the same mindset as an elite athlete, as an elite musician, as an elite artist of it's up to me to create the habits, generate the, have the right attitude, have the right beliefs, generate, create the right skills within yourself and within your team in order to make the organization better than it was yesterday. Right. And then you have to do that every day for sometimes decades. Right. So you see what I mean? I think that I, not just the Tiger Woods Foundation, not just the Washington Nationals, but my sports fandom over my life and my involvement in sports kind of planted the seed in me that I want to pursue excellence as an individual, if that makes sense. It wasn't any one organization. It wasn't any one work experience. It was kind of my lifelong following of sports, participation in sports. It made me realize this is how I want to proceed in life. I don't want to just settle for, you know, <clears throat> what the comfortable life that, you know, I could have of just kind of sticking with the status quo, going along with, with everyone else. I realized that I could pursue a path that would lead to more challenge, more difficulty, uh, more pain in some instances, but it would also lead to more fulfillment, more enjoyment, the pleasure of mastering skills, the pleasure of being of service and of value to others. That's what, that's to me what this is all about. I actually think that the reason you get into sports, the reason you get into entrepreneurship is because you want to become a better person. And that might be, that might be lost a little bit in how like laser focused we are in competition and, you know, oh, there's only one person who comes out to, on top. There's only one team that comes out on top. No, I think everybody who participates in sports comes out better than, than where they were. I think almost everybody who participates in entrepreneurship and building businesses comes out better than they were before they started. So don't know if I answered your question about the Tiger Woods Foundation, but I think that led to, you know, a broader understanding of how I see the sports world, how I see the business world. John, you definitely have, but now I've got to put you on the spot, my man. Reflecting right now, what is one skill you have developed from that period of the Tiger Woods Foundation, which have supported you right this moment with your business, which we will touch on, but what one skill from an entrepreneurial standpoint or building your business as well? The number one skill in business is dealing with people. Business is dealing with people. You can't, you can't do a business deal with a computer, right? You may use a computer to do a business deal with another person, but ultimately all business is, is, is dealing with working with collaborating with other people. I don't care what you have, what your function is in business. Uh, there's also a great book that I'd suggest your readers check out by Mark McCormick. You know, now I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's, it's all about this idea that what you're not taught at Harvard business. School. Yes. Great book. Yes. What you're not taught at Harvard business school. That book is it's by one of the pioneers in sports marketing in the sports business, Mark McCormick, who was Arnold Palmer's founder of IMG. Sorry. Yes. Curry, I, mate, I've read the book. We're on the same page. I just want people to know. Yes. Founder of IMG, carry on, my man. It's one of my favorite books. Carry on, John. Long story short, you know, the number one skill that anybody who works in business needs to develop is how do I work well with other people? <laughs> yeah, sales and sales, marketing. It's it's how do I work well with other people? How do I understand human nature? How do I you know, in many ways, how do I get people to like me? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. There's another great book that I read as a teenager. I was fortunate to have older brothers. One of them gave me this book as a teenager and it's Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. Right. People, some people get turned off by the title of that book, but it is like the OG self-improvement self-help book. Right. And what it teaches you is 
how to deal with people, how to make friends, how to, you know, collaborate with people, how to be a great teammate, right? That is, that is the number one skill that I've learned from, you know, over 10 years ago when I was at the Tiger Woods Foundation to today. And it will be the number one skill I will use for the rest of my career. Um, now, you know, there's technical skills that come with business too, but you can learn all of those over time, uh, both through study and experience and, and putting, you know, putting the hours in. But literally every day, I use the people skills that I've been developing. And that's a never ending uh, skill set <clears throat> uh, that will never go out of fashion, right? Um, so that would be that would be how I, I think about, you know, all of my work experiences so far. I couldn't agree more, but I want to touch on one thing that just for people who haven't got their foot in the door yet, you said a really great phrase, which is important. You said at the Tiger Woods, you're just sort of navigating the company or navigating what areas that interest you, right? I had the same at Sky Sports. I was only there for 10 days, but my goodness, John, I made every day count when I was in that environment to learn how, you know, televised sport is, you know, production is done. So would you mind just explaining that in a bit more detail, even with your second experience of Washington, like, but how important was it to navigate what you want to do after those experiences from like a specialist point of view? I'm going to lead to sponsorship now because I see that's an area of real interest you have now and what you're currently doing. So if you just explain that phrase so people can learn when they're in that environment, they could take advantage of where they're working. The, the best thing that I did when I was back at Tiger Woods Foundation and the Washington Nationals is I, is I made friends. I got to know other people I worked with. Seriously, I, I was curious. I asked questions. I was friendly, kind, respectful to everybody. That means that 10 years later, you know, my, my boss at the, my old boss at the Washington Nationals, he's now working for an amazing uh, part of the NFLPA, which is called Players Inc., or it's actually called One Team Partners. And it is like a massively influential business that is in the, you know, athlete licensing, group licensing space and in venture investments. And I can pick up the phone and call him today and he would, he would gladly answer my call and gladly help me out if I asked him, right? The same goes for my old boss at the Tiger Woods Foundation and the, the people I worked with at the Tiger Woods Foundation. Not to say that I'm in close contact with all of those folks today, but I have kind of, I've, I left a good impression on everyone, right? With the way I treat, treated people. And, and I, I think that reputation is kind of like the number one thing to keep in mind at, at every point in your career, what impression are you leaving people leaving with people when you first meet them? What, what impression are you leaving with people when you leave the organization? How are you treating everyone around you? That is what people remember about you. Not necessarily that you were extremely dedicated, an extremely dedicated worker who brought in all kinds of, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're an extremely dedicated worker, you, you work long hours, you bring in results. People will certainly you know, respect you for that. But, you know, the other, th the other part of business is that human element of how do, how do you people feel when you're around, right? You got to keep that in mind because that's your reputation. The better your reputation, the easier that business is, <laughs> right? Like it's a lot of people want to work with you if they enjoy spending time with you, talking with you. They, you you're interested in what they're interested in, right? You show an interest in their lives. You show an interest in, you know, the work that they're doing, the problems that they're trying to solve. So, man, <clears throat> I, I could go on about reputation for a long time, but like, I think the quote that I always keep in mind is your reputation, it takes you 20 years to build it, but you can ruin it in five minutes, right? I believe that quote's attributed to Warren Buffett, but man, it's the truth. And that's what I think about that every single day. Maybe I don't think about it specifically, but I keep it in mind. It's almost like I, I need to <laughs> treat people well today and every day so that I can continue to have a career. You know, I can continue to be a business person, continue to add value, continue to grow my business. I'd also say it's like a habit as well. The more you do, the more kind you are, the more 
you put yourself out there and how you treat people it goes to like how to win friends and influence people that book really teaches you habits of communication if you just follow that script that Dale Carnegie done like so I'm going to be a bit of a nerd here but like you talked about Warren Buffett he he's most proud of doing that Dale Carnegie course with his public speaking than actually all the financial qualification he's done because numbers is one of those areas or investments so numerical but he brings it down to earth with his communication skills and people skills too so John I hope people are taking notes and I wanted you to have a breath as well because you're spot on but let's now paint the picture of what you're currently doing now and if you don't mind like tailor in what inspired you to go the sponsorship route so if you don't mind like when was that milestone when you went right sponsorship is going to be the niche that's going to lead you to what you're currently doing that makes sense Sure. So it was a bit of a long and winding road from the Washington Nationals to starting my current business, Third Wind Group. And I think some deals are some details are important to share, but I won't go into deep detail on everything. I after the Washington Nationals, I kind of tried all kinds of different things. I actually got out of sports for a while, um, tried to basically just get my career started, and and I did work for a nonprofit association for a couple of years. But I did have that itch for entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship in particular. So I actually, at 24 years old, after networking quite a bit with the Georgetown entrepreneurship community, I helped to start up a company uh, called Mark. And from about 2015 to early 2016, I was, you know, 24 years old trying to start up a company that we felt would be valuable in measuring social impact, right? Uh, kind of a, a, a software solution to try and measure the impact of various philanthropic and or corporate uh, initiatives. That actually led me to the UK and I, I moved to the UK with that startup in early 2016, was doing a startup accelerator program through Techstars and the Barclays uh, Techstars Accelerator to be specific. Long story short, that that startup failed. At least it failed while I was on the team. We we broke up after that program. It just was not the right team to go out and try and solve that problem. And perhaps not the best problem to go and solve anyway. So I, I kind of, you know, I re retreated back to, to Washington, D.C. Loved London, though, and loved the U.K., retreat back to DC, kind of felt like, all right, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just going to go start the next thing. But what actually happened is I went to an event and met the head of talent for a really cool, more so like growth stage startup uh, called Everfy uh, here in Washington, DC. Amazing company. Uh, it actually just was acquired beginning of this year. They're in the education technology space. There, we're all about using software and also using corporate sponsorship to fill in the education gaps in what, what they would like to call critical life skills. So teaching kids things like financial literacy, financial education in general, teaching kids about mental health and well-being, emotional intelligence, entrepreneurship, science, technology, engineering, and math opportunities. It was uh, a company that was offering their software and their, their educational content to the school system for free. So any school could sign up and use it for free, but they funded all of the technology and all of the content through corporate sponsorship. So you would, for example, get a, a large bank to sponsor and underwrite the financial education of high school, middle school students. And then that, that, financial institution would get the benefit of putting their logo, putting their brand, putting, you know, their name behind educating young people, right. As a part of their community impact strategy. So we, we, that was kind of where the company started, but they also had a sports and entertainment division with Neverfy that was like the perfect fit for me. Remember how I was talking about, I wanted to merge my passion for sports marketing and social entrepreneurship well, this was yeah, perfect. Everfly was essentially partnering with the largest sports leagues and teams and athletes around the world to do just what we were doing in the financial education space, which is deliver 
critical skills education uh, into the school system and do it on behalf of the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the Premier League, Charles Barkley's foundation, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, the Brooklyn Nets, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and on and on and on. I was basically working in sports and entertainment sponsorship, but with a cause bolted onto it, right? That's what I was doing. And that uh, it's, it's funny. I haven't really described my time at Everfy like that before, but that's exactly what was going on. And I thought this is awesome. You know, this is really cool. We're, we're working in the business world with some of the biggest leagues, teams, and sponsors in the world. We're providing education to help kids, you know, navigate the world a little bit better. And man, this is pretty awesome. Like sponsorship is pretty cool. So during my time in this sports entertainment division at Everfi, I had this opportunity to join a, join a group called Crater Institute. You know, this was a side project that I was doing while at Everfi. Crater Institute, their mission is to help create creators. And they, they think that, they believe that if you have a creation event, let's say starting a podcast like you had, or publishing a book and putting your name on something, a, a, a legitimate piece of work like that, their, their thesis is that it will help propel you in your career and where you want to go in life, right? So I, you know, my entrepreneurial background, you know, this really appealed to me. I knew the, the head of Creator Institute from Georgetown because he was also a professor at Georgetown. So I signed up for it. And I signed up for writing and publishing a book uh, on sponsorship and on the intersection of sports and entertainment, sponsorship and marketing and cause marketing because I was literally living it. You know, I was living it at Everfly. I was seeing how there was a almost a a merger going on between these two different areas, cause marketing and sports entertainment marketing. And I thought, how cool is that? And also, by the way, perfect timing because we're seeing customers, employees, investors all say and demand, we want businesses to be about more than just the bottom line. We want businesses to also be good global citizens, contributing in the community, not doing harm to the environment, treating their employees fairly and all, all at the same time, providing a return on investment to shareholders. So I thought what a perfect opportunity here to learn about examine study, and then also put my own thoughts to what I was observing in the marketplace. I was observing sponsorship and cause marketing and sports entertainment marketing, all kind of blending together. And if I'm being honest, I was seeing cause marketing just basically being marketing in this day and age, right? Like I think the lines have blurred between marketing and cause marketing, right? Like flip on any television these days and tell me how many different organizations are trying to talk about how good of a corporate citizen they are, right? So we're getting to the good part here. The book is called Three Win Sponsorship. I worked on that all throughout 2019. And in the middle of 2019, you know, I had my manuscript, my first draft manuscript done. And I thought, yeah, this is a pretty cool opportunity. At the same time, I was getting asked to move around uh, within the Everfire organization outside of sports entertainment. And I basically said to myself, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I literally put all this time and energy into this book. Sports entertainment is where I want to be. Plus I want to sprinkle in, you know, social entrepreneurship. So I'm just going to bet on myself, leave the organization, go start my own thing. So that's how third win group was born. I had three win sponsorship, the book coming out later in the year. And I had spent all this time learning, interviewing people, observing the industry, putting my own thoughts on paper, and I thought, this is, this is a strong thesis. I want to basically see it bear out in the world, right? So I started the business of Third Wind Group because I thought this is, this is where the world is going. Yeah, this is where the world is going. Why not try and capture this opportunity 
why not try and help usher in this this kind of new era in business and sports and entertainment. It's a very long story, but that's ultimately how Third One Group got started. That's ultimately how the book came out. And then, you know, three years later, we're still we're still uh, alive and we're still growing and we're, we're building something pretty cool. John, thank you so much for sharing. I hope people were taking notes. Wow. OK, I've just got to go back just to decode a few areas just for the listeners who want to step for in the sponsor world. And you've described it beautifully with the case studies, but reflecting now, particularly with the, the great term you used, you said cause marketing, but also cause sponsorship. I, I love that phrase more than cause marketing. Like, but if you had to give the listeners like core qualities that have helped you with that sponsorship involvement, what would they be? So in terms of getting involved in the industry or in terms of kind of building out effective sponsorship? Good question. Um, I'm relating to the education experience you had with that software because you had, let's say, the bank, you had the school, you had yourselves. Like there's, you know, three parties there and there's a lot that goes on to make that happen. And I was just intrigued. Let's stick to that example. That's cool with you because that's a beautiful one because it has the cause to help children be better with, you know, other life skills. But from a sponsorship standpoint, like the position you're in, what qualities supported you to make all that work within you and your and the team you worked with yeah you know i think it goes back to you know my interest in being of of service to others being valuable to others right that was a that was actually so i went to jesuit high school in washington dc and jesuit college in washington dc and the, the ultimate ethos of jesuits is to be men and women for others right and i i actually bought into i really bought into that i really bought into that because it seemed like a great way to live you know it seemed like a great way to live to do my best to be of service to others right i think that that is a great way to live and i i basically taken that mindset and tried to apply it to life and business right and very simply that's all I'm really trying to do with anything here, with the book, with the business, with everything. So that mindset also lends itself well specifically to the discipline of sponsorship because there's always at least three parties in every sponsorship, right? There's the sponsor, there's the sponsee, the, the, the entity receiving the funds, and then there's the audience or the fan base or the customer that the sponsor is trying to reach, right? Always three parties in sponsorship. And how does it all work? Well, the way it works is that there's a value transfer between all three parties, right? The sponsor's delivering value to the sponsee, right? To help them reach the audience or the fan base or the customer. That's the purpose of sponsorship. You know, it is marketing. <laughs> it is marketing, right? Now, how... Here's the tricky part, though. How does the sponsee, the, the entity receiving the funds, get the sponsor to effectively connect with its customers, right? And that's the ultimate question I'm trying to answer with my book and with my business. My thesis is that customers, fans, they've seen a million or, or tens of millions of advertisements in their life. And... They've seen billboards and ballparks. They've seen advertisements <clears throat> on television, now on social media. You know, when there are so many advertisements like this, you kind of become desensitized. And if it if it doesn't if it isn't different, if it doesn't have something that makes it stand out, it's going to be very hard to capture customers' attention. So again, it's about value transfer. The sponsor and the sponsee needs to find a way to deliver value to the customer, to the audience, to the fan base. My, my theory, my thesis is the way to do that is to tie the sponsorship up in something that's bigger than sport, bigger than sponsorship, bigger than marketing. It's actually about service to the community, helping others, being a good steward to the planet. And that's what I mean when I say blending cause marketing into sports marketing. Like if, if 
you're a sponsor, you're continuously doing the same stuff that you've been doing for 40, 50 years and expecting different results. You haven't been paying attention to what's been going on around the world, right? People are demanding that businesses are much are about much more than just profits and enriching shareholders, right? People are fed up with that system. So this is a small part of the bigger picture, but my, in my mind, we need to create that third win, all right? If it's if sponsorship originally was just about win-win between the sponsor and the sponsee, that wasn't creating value for, it wasn't creating a third win for the audience, for the for the fan base, for the community, right? And in, in that, in my mind, that's not effective sponsorship. Because again, the purpose of sponsorship is to help connect a sponsor to a very specific fan base or customer that they're trying to reach, right? So if you're only creating value for the sponsor and the sponsee, you're, you're, you're doing sponsorship in a way that's completely counterproductive, <laughs> right? This is this is the important insight that I found is like the third win is the most important win in, in every sponsorship. The value that the audience, that the, that the fan base realizes through a sponsorship is the key to affect a sponsorship, period. So <laughs> that is ultimately what we're trying to do uh, in, in, in all of the sponsorship deals that we put together and the way that we kind of pursue clients is how do we help everyone involved in sponsorship understand that value transfer that's going on between the three parties and every sponsorship? Then how do we create and structure our sponsorship deals so that we're always creating that third win, right? so that our, our marketing and our sponsorship is effective. They're, they're in a nutshell is, is our philosophy uh, with, with TWG. That is awesome. By the way, there will be a link for your book, by the way, because I think they got to read a lot more detail. And you've just taught me a lot just then. Just take a step back quickly about the three parties and that sort of value transfer. Like, could you, could we touch on like the communication process while that's vital? Because, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I assume, you're in the middle, right, John? I'm putting you in the middle of that triangle. How you can communicate with the sponsor may be different to how you communicate with the fans and how you can communicate with the sponsee. Like, have your communication skills developed so it creates that third win? Because I, I assume it's different. Let's go back to the example of the school. It may be you may communicate differently there to the actual bank and then actually to the to the child. I'm keeping this so simple for the listener to picture. Is that, an, is that an important factor to create the win? How you communicate the message within that to create that sponsorship fulfillment to every party? You know, what's interesting is being in the middle, being what I would like to call a, a sponsorship agent or a sponsorship broker, what I need to do is essentially be a matchmaker. I need to help all the parties understand what their value is and how the value can be, can be moved around effectively. Right. So, I mean, I think that's why sponsorship brokers or sponsorship agents or marketing agents exist is because they recognize the value that each party can bring to the table. And they're almost like architects or builders who help build those value creation chains, right. Between all these different parties um, so yes, you do have to, you do have to speak a different language to every entity, every party in any given sponsorship. You have to speak the language of the marketer who is deciding how to spend their money, you know, their company's funds on marketing. You have to speak the language of your client who is seeking sponsorship, who is seeking value, often, most often in terms of, of, of cash also in terms of products, perhaps, you know, some type of services or, you know, there's, you know, our clients are all seeking value for the value that they can return. The value that our clients can return is that connection to the fan, the customer, right? There, there wouldn't be a need for sponsorship if companies could just reach their customers by themselves, right? And develop a deep connection with their customers themselves. The reason you see companies investing sponsorship dollars into athletes, into teams, into leagues, and into sports in general, is they feel that 
that is an amazing place where people have a lot of attention and have a lot of emotional investment and they want to draft off of some of that emotional investment and ideally create emotional investment in their own brand. Right. So I'm kind, I'm kind of like getting deep into the weeds here, but the, you also need to think of sponsorship in terms of how will I receive this as a customer, right? You need to put yourselves in the shoes of the end customer, right? So not, not to forget about our sponsors, not to forget about our clients. And we, we ultimately, to create that third one, we need to have emotional intelligence and think about how will the fans receive this message? Will they care about this message, right? Why should I care? is what every customer is really thinking to themselves when they're looking at an advertisement, right? Uh, if it's just a billboard, you're just looking at a logo of a, of a company and you're in a ballpark or you're watching on television, that, I don't think there's an answer to that question. It's just, oh, there's a logo. <laughs> Why should I care? Why should I care is what every sponsorship professional needs to help you know, all of the entities answer, right? So that's why I say we're, we're architects or creators of these value chains, right? It's like, we ultimately need to team up as a sponsor and one of our clients, we also need to team up to create value for our fans, right? For our customers. That's, that's the end game here. When you do that, that's when every, you know, that's when as a sponsor, you're going to get the value you want in return, right? because the fan associates your brand with bringing value and benefit to their life. That, that is to me, effective sponsorship right there. If you, the fan starts to recognize the value of you, that your brand can have in their life, boom, that's, that's effective sponsorship. That's effective marketing. Just to get to today's podcast topic, and I, you have answered it just then, but relating to today's podcast topic, it was like, what attitude do you need to create a win-win partnership in the sports industry what you've just said is that is that correct because I don't want you to repeat yourself in such detail but I just we hear win-win so often and I want people to realize what it really meant from your last example but just to clarify what you've just said that's what's all about that three-party which is that win-win effect is that correct yeah and what is the attitude or mindset that gets you there it is an attitude of service to others seriously it is an attitude of value creation for others. It's not about sponsorship is never about me. You know, I'm only trying to help the people, you know, that I work with both our, our brand partners and my clients think of creative ways to create value for society, for the planet, for, for people. Right. Um, yes. That, that the mindset and kind of what guides us at TWG is <clears throat> this is not about us. This is about us helping, you know, different parties come together to create value for society. So it's not just win-win, right? It's win-win-win. That's what, that's what all we recommend. And that's what we basically evangelize <laughs> in this, in the sports sponsorship space. If there is no third win for the fans, for society, for the planet, nobody's going to care, <laughs> right? You can't answer that question that I keep kept bringing up of why should I care as a, as a, as a fan. So the way that we get there is we recognize that we have certain resources, we have certain power, we have certain capabilities that the sports industry affords us that lends itself to be able to create value for society. People are emotionally invested in sports. People spend a lot of time, spend a lot of attention following sports, following their favorite athletes, following their favorite teams. And when you have that much of people's time and attention, that, that gives you power, right? That gives you power to influence people. That gives you power to change people's minds, change people's attitudes towards certain things. And man, like, I think every athlete, every sports team has to recognize that power that they have in society. And they need to ask themselves a question, you know, 
I've got all this power. I've got this kind of responsibility comes with it. How am I going to use it? How am I going to use it? Are you going to use it to try and, you know, lift people up, lift other people up, you know, kind of be a good steward to our environment, or are you just going to use that power to further enrich yourself? And why, you know, this kind of gets back to why does TWG need to exist? Why can't all the legacy <clears throat> agencies kind of just adopt this mindset on their own and, and get on with it? Just the legacy agencies and the legacy businesses have all been about win-win, not win-win-win, right? It's To me, it's all been about, let's just create enough value for ourselves and our clients, you know, and our sponsors. And ultimately, we don't really care about the fan. We don't really care about the broader community. We don't really care about the environment. You know, if, if it's just win-win, you know, you can kind of leave out lifting other people up, right? If it's win-win-win, that's when you're able to kind of shift your mindset towards like, let's let's create value. <laughs> let's truly create value for um, the broader community, for society in general. I'm going to interrupt you for a reason with that third win, the win-win-win, just for listeners listening and hold on, John, like we're not a big organization, we're quite small, but a third win could be, you know, if it was like a non-for-profit, you know, I don't know, um, creating a new football pitch in our community. It doesn't have to be like changing society tomorrow. I, I just want to emphasize this point for a listener who is literally dabbing their feet. I hope they will like reach out to you for your services, but if they're listening going, Ash, I want to try out this sponsorship angle. That third win doesn't have to be like changing, I don't know, um, sustainable energy in a football ground tomorrow there's a lot of components to do that. Could, could you just clarify that a little bit more? Because I think that's really important because all the examples we've given are quite high-end examples with big companies who do have the big bucks to create the bigger impact, if that makes sense. Right. That's that's a great point, Ed, because we're, we're not advocating for trying to change the world through sponsorship, right? In fact, I don't even think that's possible. <laughs> I think the world is going to change no matter what you do with your sponsorship deals. Right. What I'm trying to say is, is a, a mindset shift towards serving your community. And that can be literally that can just be, you know, the neighborhood around, you know, your pitch. If you're if you're a football club. Right. Literally the blocks around your pitch. What can we do to serve the people who, who live around us? And that's good enough. Right. We're not asking small football clubs to you know, end world hunger here. <laughs> We're just saying be of service to your community, be of service to the stakeholders, every stakeholder around your club and every, everybody that your club touches. Right. And that's good enough. And that will actually, you know, <laughs> that will actually have a ton of benefits for your business. Right. People will feel more connected. People will feel more connected to your sponsors. People will feel more connected to your, to your players when you show, essentially show love for them by caring for them, by, by serving them, by helping them out when they're in need. That's a, a really great, I think a really great thing to, to recognize with our whole mindset uh, with win, win, win is we're not saying this is about, you know, changing the world, right? The, the world is going to change constantly, no matter what we do in sports, no matter what we do in sponsorship. All we're trying to do is basically show some care for, for others. So, so some genuine compassion and care for others through sports, through business, through marketing. I don't think I don't really feel like what I'm saying is, is very revolutionary. I just think that we've been operating businesses a certain way for so long that this is just, it's just a, maybe a different perspective than what, what many other people would think about when they think about marketing and advertising and sports business, right? I'm only advocating for a slight mindset shift and in, in a way of almost a lens on how you can look at the sports business. That's really all we're trying to do. Um, that's how we're operating our business. We're, 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 we feel like it's a good way to operate any business in sports. John, you hit the nail on the head. It's that mindset shift. And you actually triggered, gosh, this is a 
can't remember the podcast episode, but we're certainly, I think it was episode 34 with Luca Massaro, who's the founder of WePlay. He changed, he, he made the name WePlay for a reason. Instead of I play like individual, WePlay means for all of us. And I always remember that, that that's how you should approach work in the sports industry. We are a we, not an I. Um, so thank you for sharing that part with the mindset shift. So could you just share to the listeners a little bit more d- detail with regards to what you provide at TWG? I love the sort of uh, little snippet of how you describe yourself, but could you just explain what services you provide for the listeners who are tuning in? Yeah, yeah, TWG, I originally thought it was going to be a consultancy. Uh, and then uh, as, as with every business, you know, things change and you, you pivot. So the way we're describing TWG now is we're an independent agency. We serve talent. Uh, not only athletes, but also artists and creators and brands who are on a mission to serve others and protect the planet. So really what we are now is a talent marketing agency looking to serve those individuals from across sports entertainment who feel called to serve almost, right? Feel called to be uh, a man or woman for others, um, even if they don't, you know, believe in Catholicism or the Jesuits or whatever, right? We, the services we provide are, you know, talent representation, uh, sponsorship sales, sponsorship activation. Um, we also provide operational support for, for athletes and for talent in general. And we're starting to branch out into, you know, more so special projects as well. So a brand who wants to work the, work with us to integrate you know, win, win, win style sponsorship into their portfolio. How do we seek the right partners to do this? How do we actually create the third one? We're starting to do some of that work as well. Um, But everything centers right now around becoming the best talent marketing agency we can be. And over time, I'm sure we'll evolve and create new services and serve new clients and, and ideally become a pretty cool agency that is, you know, operating in a, in a way that, you know, everybody can be proud of. Anyone who's associated with us, I, I want them to feel like it's a community that is really serving the greater good uh, and just leveraging sports and entertainment to do that. Sounds pretty cool agency at the moment, John. I have to be honest, like I've just got a big smile of what you and your team are doing. One thing I want to touch on really quickly, and it's really how we got connected on LinkedIn. I always like to share to my listeners how I get connected with people. We got connected actually mid last year and on LinkedIn. But recently I've been following you on Twitter and they did a great tweet on what is impact. So the question I'm going to give you is like, how important is our, our own self-awareness of our own development? Because I love your tweets because they get me thinking because we're in a world now there's so much self-development stuff on Twitter, including my content. I'm always mindful. I want to make sure it's always meaningful, each of these podcasts. But I just like your tweets. And I remember I commented on one because you really got me thinking of like what it is to be an expert or something on those sort of themes. So could you just share to listeners what you tweet on Twitter and like how self-awareness has supported your own sports career development? You know, Ed, it's funny. I kind of think of Twitter as like a public, open online journal. You know, it's kind of like me just getting my thoughts on paper, but if the paper were available for anyone in the world to read, right? So a lot of the stuff that you'll see me tweeting about is just things that I've been thinking about or I've been reading about or that I'm reflecting on from my past experiences and my current experiences, right? So, I mean, a good way to think about what I'm doing with my Twitter is trying to remind myself of important lessons that I'm, I'm learning along the way. And then along, along that path, ideally share it with a few others who can learn the lesson as well and apply it to their life. So, yeah, right now, if you go, you know, go follow me. Uh, you'll probably see me talking a lot about Bitcoin. That's a whole nother podcast, <laughs> you know, separate from, from sponsorship, but you also see me, trying to reflect on lessons that I've learned and how do I, how do I live a good life? How do I be a good business leader? How do I, you know, how do I be a better person, right? Going back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of this show is why, why, why do we get into any of these difficult endeavors? Why do we get into 
the sports business? Why do we get into entrepreneurship? Why do we get into podcasting or writing books? I think it's a process of us becoming better people uh, so that we can contribute. We can contribute. We can have meaning and purpose in our lives and we can add value to other people's lives. That's it. So if you, if you like what you hear, uh, Ed, and your listeners like what you hear, you can, you can follow me on Twitter, um, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm putting a good amount of stuff on there as well. Um, and then you can follow TWG as well, uh, third, third We're not finished yet, my man. I've got a few more questions. It's just, I think people should follow you on Twitter because honestly, that's how I engage with your content. And you get me thinking, as I said, we're in a world now with so much content, self-development content. And what I'm saying is, my man, you, you challenge the status quo on a few things in a good way that gets me thinking. And I think, in my opinion, the sports industry, because it's always developing, it's a 24-hour machine, I think we've always got to challenge the way we think to improve something or improve the future of something, particularly in the sports industry sector. But look, out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back right now? I think what I've enjoyed the most is the, the people, Right. This, this kind of goes, but this has been a common thread throughout this entire conversation. I've met and became friends with, have become friends with amazing people through the journey so far. And that has been the best part. That's how I've really been able to, you know, go out on my own, take risks, write, a, write and publish a book, start a business on my own. It's because I've gotten a lot of confidence and I've grown a lot as a person through this experience of working in sports. That's, that's to me, you know, been the biggest reward is that because so many people in sports are pursuing excellence, working to be a better version of themselves, makes me want to do the same thing. And that's incredibly rewarding. And it makes me want to, you know, continue that journey, right? I don't want, I don't want it to end. I, I think, uh, you know, life is always about continuous improvement and, and learning and growing. And I've found that sports has been a great arena, so to speak, for me to be able to do that. And I'm sure many of your listeners would feel the same way that there's just a certain feeling you get of getting to work in this industry where everybody is working, you know, to become better versions of themselves. That's incredibly inspiring. And that's, such a great environment to place yourself in. Absolutely. That's the magic of why we show up each day. But look, we're at a great stage of the interview, John. And feel free to recap with your answer now. But out of interest for the listeners, like so they can take some action, because I'm always about that, putting something they've listened to into action. Like what three tips would you give to the listener now with regards to them putting themselves out there in the sports industry more effectively? Like what three tips would they be? Again, feel free to recap. This is going to sound really simplistic, but this is these these three things have been kind of the key to, to my success in sports so far. Number one, show up. So literally put yourself out there, both in person at events and online. You know, show up. Put yourself out there. Number two, follow up. So after you show up and, and meet people and put yourself out there and get to know others, you know, it's what you do after that counts. You have to follow up. You have to send that message or send that text, send that email to that person that you met who inspired you, who you enjoyed talking with. You need to follow up because you know, people are busy and you know, they kind of move on to the next thing if you don't follow up. And then the third thing is follow through. And the difference between following up and following through is you don't just kind of send them the message, send the email, and then forget about it. You, you create something on the back of that. You build, you build a relationship further. You add value to the other person that you've met. You, you know, go on and, and try and start something with, with those people, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be a business. It could literally be, you know, it could be a social club. It could be uh, an intramural sports team, right? It could be, you know, whatever it is, you know, follow through is kind of the, the third cog here. And it is a key to, to dealing with people is that you got to bring something to the table for others, right? Following through uh, is, the, is the key component in, in these three steps. 
but you can apply this across the board anywhere. Show up, follow up, follow through. It's pretty simple recipe, but anybody, you know, young people, people who are in the middle of their career, people who are later in their career, I think they would agree that this is a great blueprint for success in life and career. Absolutely. I hope people apply that blueprint straight after listening to this podcast. Out of interest, John, how can people interact with you online? Well, where are the best places to go? Yeah. Well, thanks again, Ed. This has been a great conversation. I think we kind of nailed it. Twitter and and LinkedIn are, are great places to just check in with me, see what I'm thinking about, see what I'm writing about. Uh, and follow TWG's journey. I would also say thirdwind.com if you want to learn more about our agency specifically, our work, our clients, the types of brands we've worked with. And I would also say stay tuned because shortly after this podcast is released, we're going to be getting back into our content creation uh, from TWG. So I would check out Win Win Win, uh, which will be our It's a show that we had done in the past, uh, but we'll be bringing back after a short pause or a relatively long pause. Um, And that will be my business partner, Eric, and I on a regular basis, putting our thoughts out there, showing up out there on the internet, putting our thoughts out there for other sports, entertainment, marketing, sponsorship professionals. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll be be sharing our, our content on a regular basis. So thanks again. I'd appreciate it. Amazing. I can't wait to when that podcast comes back because, again, that was another aspect I was following you on and you're doing a great job. And also with regards to the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat. John, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Ed, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure and hopefully we'll do it again. What a brilliant conversation with John. It's conversations like this that light me up because there's so much I've taken from learning from John Starting right from the get-go with his actual journey, the bit that I took from this was, and it's sort of a reminder if you listen to this going, Ed, don't have a degree in sports, don't have a degree, but I'm specialised in something in the business world, in the tech world, that it is transferable into the sports industry. And the bit when John did that bit with the Tiger Woods Foundation, and then he ended up going away from sports and getting just real entrepreneurship experience he managed to bring it back into the industry and I think without a doubt from my experience as well that those entrepreneurial skill sets really come from doing Um, as much as I do read entrepreneurial books and learn from other great people who are just great role models in the entrepreneur space you do learn a lot in the doing side of things and how he's put that into practice in the sponsorship world is what it's all about But if you are interested with regards to pursuing a career in sponsorship, I hope you've now got a better understanding of the attitude you need to work in sports sponsorship and the benefits of creating the win-win-win. Like that third win element, I really do hope you took notes. Even for me, I'm going to re-listen to that because for me, it's about the impact we make uh, through the sponsor, the sponsee, and then the fan. And that's where the magic happens. So if you are interested in pursuing a career in sports sponsorship without a doubt get connected with John because having like-minded people in the sponsorship space is what it's all about but also from a sports career development standpoint the biggest lesson without a doubt which I need to emphasize is at the end of the day as John said it's a people industry and it's understanding how you communicate with regards to your methods and also with regards to how you show up with regards to your reputation. That bit there was so important. Like your reputation is so important in the sports industry. And it does take time to build your identity in who you are and what area you want to specialize in. But in time and the connections you make over time, you will discover the niche you want to do and want to pursue a career in. So I really do hope you put this podcast into action because John shed so much. And it's one of those, even me, I have to re-listen to and apply certain aspects that can develop my sports career development. So, look, I'm really intrigued, though. We're both on Twitter, John and myself. So let me know, Ed Bowers 101, your biggest takeaway from this podcast and how you're going to apply that golden nugget of knowledge and put it into action with regards to your sports career development. So let me know on Twitter, Ed Bowers 101. But in the meantime, put it to practice now and make it happen. 
Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. And without a doubt, I had to repeat John's blueprint right at the end. And here are the three steps again. Number one, show up. So put yourself out there. Number two, follow up. So when you've met somebody, follow up with that person with an email to keep the conversation going. And step number three, follow through. Back it up. Bring something to the table where you can add value with that party. And that is what it's all about. Follow that blueprint in the sports industry. And that's how you'll make opportunities for yourself.